nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real, or at least how we remember them. I'm Steve. <laughs> and I'm Jarman. And we're here to tell you some stories that only uh, two longtime best friend buffoons can. Yeah, we're still getting used to this show. I hope you guys are getting used to it as well. Uh, and what are we talking about this time, Steve? For this week, we are going to be talking about what it means to be a chorus kid. Mm-hmm. Or at least what it meant to be a chorus kid in the late 90s to early 2000s when I and you were chorus kids. Yes. And I'm sure many of you out there listening were part of some kind of after school program, hopefully chorus or band or something like that. And I'm just, program. yeah, I'm sure you can relate. A lot of these are very, uh, are very typical of those programs back in the day. So, um, yeah. But unlike a lot, I feel of people experiences being in choruses and glee clubs and stuff. Um, is that I feel like ours was a little bit maybe more involved than some. Yeah, partially because we're part of such a big school, uh, like thousands of kids and a big budget uh, for our choral department. So it was kind of like a feel like a bigger deal than it would in a normal school, I guess. Yeah, I think that brings us in nicely because I don't think we can talk about chorus without what chorus kind of meant at our school. Yeah, it meant a lot of uh, crazy parents being involved, a lot of money being thrown around and a lot of politics. Um, and there were between 150 and 200 kids mm-hmm. throughout chorus. Um, and if you add that to what was a really big band. Yep. And an okay size orchestra. Yep. And then a I'm- huge chunk of the student body was music kids in some form or another. Yeah. Pretty big performing school. Our Winter Park High School where we went to school. Back in the day, and I remember junior year, we were under review for maybe getting magnet status, if I remember correctly, right. and that didn't happen. I don't think. Nope. Um, and we were like named an exemplary performing arts school. We had a huge program. Germans write tons of boosters and parents. And, and kind money. of a wealthy neighborhood. Like Steve and I weren't amongst like the wealthy, wealthy kids, but there was a lot of wealthy parents. We that certainly were went to school with some very wealthy, wealthy kids. Yeah. And there were a lot of very wealthy, wealthy kids in chorus as well, for that matter. Absolutely. Um, so like, I, I think that like Glee came out in 2008, nine or 2010, something like that. And watching it, I was like, this is cute, but this was not my experience because being in chorus wasn't like a stigmatized thing, really. No, it was there like so many of us. A lot of popular kids were involved in the chorus and it was not like a small group of like misfits. It was like, no, it was like a big thing. (laughs) You always had classes with other people that were in concert choir, even if you didn't really know, you know, like it just happened. There's different tiers. Like you could be involved in like the, the okay choir that starts off. You have to audition for the, 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 okay the, the better choir. That's like the, okay. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting. What year did you join? Um, well, I did chorus and choir stuff like from young on. So you were always, always in singing. it. And then I, I, when I moved to Florida in fifth grade uh, and this, another name, I didn't think I was going to be telling the story. I didn't even think about it. Uh, we'll call him Tim who you were really good friends with when I first moved to Florida. Uh, he dropped out of an honor choir in the fifth grade and I came in and auditioned and got a spot. 
Oh, look at you. And that was like my first sign that I was like, oh, I might be okay at this. Or Brookshire Elementary School. I might be School. above average at this. Yeah. I don't suck at um, this. So that was it. And then sixth through eighth, I did more honor choirs basically every year. I did an honor choir in sixth and then a men's choir in seventh and eighth. And Wow. Did solo and ensemble in eighth. And um, so I was already like neck deep in chorus by the time I got to high school. Which is so weird because we were really good friends all through middle school. And I just never got involved in chorus until high school. No. Which is strange. Um, and then ninth grade, I was in men's choir, which is which was ninth grade men's choir, which was at 730 in the morning, five days a week. <laughs> Everyone's oh. voice is still changing. Oh. <laughs> I remember we would spend the first 20 minutes of class pushing and warming up because it was so early. Yeah. And everyone smelled bad. I remember that when I was like involved in men's choir, just everyone smelled bad. <laughs> uh, I remember that when we would sing a really low song, because I was one of the bass twos, like one of the low singers, um, we would purposely fake warming up so that we so that we would keep our register really low. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> oh, all those Russian songs we would sing because Russian songs really are feel, really low. Really feel like, oh, the Russian basses are the lowest in singers in the world. It's incredible. Besides like Tibetan throat singers. <laughs> Which is basically just drunk Gary Busey. But. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. So um, me, I was only involved in middle school and elementary school. My parents were pushing me to do violin, then piano. I remember your violin phase yep. and the piano. You and I had the same piano teacher for a while. For a little while there. And then I joined in band in ninth grade. I did trumpet and I was just not really great at any of these things. I was okay at piano, real bad at trumpet and uh, violin. Um, but then choir, uh, I saw Steve was doing it. And finally, I guess, got involved around, I think, 10th grade. Um, yeah, can I tell you, can I tell you what I remember about your transition? Sure. <laughs> okay. So you were hardcore in band, mm-hmm. marching this. band, everything, marching band, everything. And sophomore year, you got into some like semi-advanced band. Yep. Semi-advanced band. And there was this guy who was in super advanced band that you were never going to be better than. Mm-hmm. I remember he was just, he was incredible. <laughs> like, like how, how is he 17 and playing like that? Like that kind of, I incredible. think I know the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I remember you had made some sort of deal, some like under the table handshake deal with the band teacher that you were going to be first chair in just the okay ensemble uh-huh. rather than go be a low chair in the super advanced ensemble. And that was the deal. And then some senior or something ended up not being able to work their schedule and they came and took the first chair from you. Oh my God. That sounds really familiar. I remember you were like, fuck this. I'm done. (laughs) And and so you came and you auditioned for the show, uh, the, the Harvey. Oh, the drama show. Yeah. Yeah. And then by, I think the end of 10th grade, you were at least in men's choir or something. And then starting junior year, you were in concert choir. I think I then quit band around junior or senior year or something like that. You did not go back. I remember. Yeah. And the teacher in that was just, he was a drill sergeant, just terrible to people as well. So we'll get into that some other point, but uh, there's a lot of these music teachers are just nuts. Um, So (laughs) we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, But yeah, chorus was a, is an interesting time. uh, Steve and I were both considered baritone basses, uh, if not like the lowest bass people there. Um, there are people even lower than us, but just a lot of people had the higher pitched voices. There were a handful, a guy yeah. named 
Timmy comes to mind. <laughs> yes, Timmy. I know who you're talking about. And then there was a guy who quit chorus and didn't, I don't think it was in senior year named Mark. And he was, he could hit some crazy low stuff, but he did not care about chorus at all. And it really <laughs> creates like, you just did not care. If you're in a chorus of like 150 people, um, your, your section becomes like your friends, your, your troop, your, you stand with all the your time. platoon, if you will, you know, yeah, you're like you're, you're, you're together and they call on you to sing. You're, you're singing with that group and it becomes like a camaraderie kind of thing. It's, it's neat. You get you, we hated the tenors. The tenors hated the basses. You know, that's just how it works. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be mad if my balls hadn't dropped either. <laughs> but, I'd be upset. I get it. Now, of course, I'm jealous. All the training I got as a bass because oh, man. All, the, all the songs and stuff. They're all tenors. Fun. All tenors, high tenors for that matter. Every part I've tried to audition for in a musicals, I'm always to play the, the dad or the villain because they're the ones with low parts. Yeah. And the ingenue guy, whatever, gets all the girls is always a tenor for some reason. Not in the old days. In the 50s, you had the Robert Goulets <laughs> and stuff. They had the low voices. They were the, they were the real men, you know, not anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then eventually German, I just spent. And, and I think you joining both course and theater led to you and I spending just an incredible amount of time together, junior and senior year. Oh, yeah. If we hadn't just, been already. Just incredible. Well, before it was like, oh, well, you've got your football stuff. You've got marching band stuff. And I had my theater stuff. And we'd kind of grown apart because like just schedules sucked. Yeah. And then we, we want to be around each other more and around the same girls. So we decided to join everything yeah. together. <laughs> well, that was my thing. I was like, look how much more fun theater is than the thing you're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I never get sweaty and want to throw up from theater. But from marching band, yes, I did get yeah, sweaty and want to throw why up. Why would you do that? That's terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a lot of those uniforms are not fun either. But uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't fun for chorus either. We had multiple outfits in my time there a lot of cummerbunds for some we reason had, we had the tux that was like the standard tux for like concert choir and men's choir and then park singers in the time i was in it we had a like shiny vest yeah. with velcro like and a shiny black vest and then senior year i think we went to full tux tails Oh I yeah, that sounds familiar. Because I wore them to prom. I wore my chorus <laughs> tucked with tail to prom. Why not? <laughs> I was so proud of that tail. <laughs> oh, so that's the thing too. We we're talking about the tiers of these choruses earlier, and then there's oh, the, yeah. the top one. Supposedly was the Park Singers, which is basically your show choir. Then they call it. it's like a group of like fifteen to twenty kids who are like supposed to be the best of the best, and they dance and sing like idiots. Um, and that's what we were. <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, I want to bring it down even further because uh-huh. I, I thought I sat and thought about this. So the top of the pyramid, of course, was was Mr. Johnson. Yes, the the choir director, Mr. Johnson, and the director, Mr. Johnson, fake name. And then under him <laughs> was this kind of secondary group, and a, there was a lot of overlap, but not always. And that was what I referred to as the the officers and the chosen ones. <laughs> so the officers were like the chorus officers, the president, the vice president, and, and the people that were important because they actually had to do things. These were students, though. Students, yeah. student officers, but still treasurer, secretary, president, vice president in charge of events, and you know, that sort of stuff. And there was a lot of overlap between them and the chosen ones. And then there were the chosen ones who were those kids who were like very musically gifted. And so they got to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Like very musically gifted and got to do whatever they want. Well, here's the thing before you move on to the next tier. Yeah. Some, a realization I had in prepping this episode about those kids, now that I have older perspective as well, is yeah. that if you look at all the kids, there are there were talented kids outside of those chosen ones. Oh, absolutely. But those absolutely. chosen ones coincide coincidentally 
with some of the highest donors of the chorus department. I mean, that cannot be ignored. I'm not denying that they were talented, but it just they were the, some of the richest kids in the chorus department were also the chosen ones. And that we had to look back on that as adults and realize that was part of the situation, whether that was a conscious choice of these kids getting all the solos and spending all the time on Mr. Johnson, which we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah. Uh, but it was it is coincidentally the case. If you notice looking back. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, there was a lot of like nice things for donors and big money givers. Uh, I remember a park singers, I think this would have been junior year. So you weren't there yet. A park singers Christmas party where we went and we did like the traditional gift exchange and all the cute stuff you do for a Christmas party. And then we were going to go caroling and do a couple songs from our like winter repertoire. Sure. And that was cute. And so the first place we went was this old lady who was like a huge fan of the choir and used to come to all the concerts, but then had some health stuff and couldn't come. Hmm. And so it's a really nice thing that we got to get. We all felt really good about that. And then we went to like Mr. F's house who is super wealthy and a huge donor and whose daughter was also in chorus. Hmm. And we caroled at Mr. F's house too. Oh, weird. Like at our Christmas party. (laughs) Wonder why. Right. There was a lot of that, like, what did we just do? What just happened, guys? No one's going to explain that. Did we just get exploited? What? (laughs) Um, So there was just a lot of that kind of weird stuff, too. There was a lot of money that went back and forth because, um, as you said, with Park Singers, we were a big performing troupe and we were good for a high school. Um, So we got paid to go do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, won lots of competitions. So it wasn't just a matter of like, oh, we think we're really good, but... It, proof was in the pudding as far as you yeah, know, high school high school choirs go. We would win lots of awards and um, district competitions and that kind of thing. So not that that makes um, the most difference in the real world, but it, we were a good choir. We were. You know, it was something to be proud of. And but because of that, I was looking, I was sort of estimating the time. Holy crap. The, what time spent practicing yeah. and such? Yeah. <laughs> so like senior year, when we were sort of probably at the height, we had park singers every day for an hour. Mm-hmm. We had concert choir every day for an hour. Just two hours. It's at least 10 hours a week right there. Jeez. Anything else, 10 hours a week. But then I think about, uh, you know, we would come, I think a week early or something and do choreography camp. A huge chunk of hours there. All the extra rehearsals that went into night on Broadway. Yeah. We did a and, play every year of uh, all lots of a Broadway review show, basically of yeah. different songs and such. From musicals. It was a big end of the year capper kind of thing. Um, but we would do multiple weekend full rehearsals all the time that we spent rehearsing for special events or when we went to like New York. I remember we had a bunch of late night sessions to learn that music. Like I think about it and it was probably 12 to 15 hours a week on average. It's crazy. Just for chorus. We did other stuff. And we weren't getting paid for it. <laughs> no. Child labor. <laughs> um, but we performed all over the place. Um Country clubs, private church events, the the huge ritzy Gaylord Palms mm-hmm. out in like that far Orlando area that had like the pirate ship inside of it. That place was nuts. I think also get to do uh, Epcot centers here in Orlando. So we would do the candlelight service. You, yeah. could, you could do that and get free tickets to Epcot if you went to that performance. We did that, I think, junior and senior year. That was a, I mean, that was a hell of a deal. Yeah, that was worth it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So we got to do really crazy, cool things because of the choir we were part of. There's no doubt about that. True. Um, we got to sing before a magic basketball game. 
and our parents uh, putting up with all this and also helping pay for the costume fees and the trips and that kind of thing. So thank you, parents. Cleaning. Yeah. Thanks for doing all that for us, parents. We appreciate it. Uh, and you didn't you got to go on at least one of the New York trips. Yes. We went to Carnegie Hall for uh, one of our trips. And my sister had gone the year before we you and I were there, I think. Um, so you our, didn't perform at Carnegie Hall. What? You didn't perform at Carnegie Hall. Maybe I'm just thinking of when she went. Yeah, you were there. I remember you were up in the balcony, I think. Okay. Maybe I, was, I thought could have sworn we did the Carnegie Hall thing, too. The next year we went and we performed at um, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. That must be what I'm thinking of, because my sister yeah. went on the trip and when they, our choir went to- and you were also there, which is probably also confusing. Yes, that is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was crazy that our choir was able to perform at Carnegie Hall, but it was for like a, a choral review thing, but it was just, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, That's but it was like an invitational- yeah, yeah, we were there with other very good choirs. So, yeah, we always had our place. Indeed. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this hierarchy because there were the chosen ones who get away with anything. Then you're right. There were the park singers. There was a lot of overlap between those. Mm-hmm. And the next down was probably like Belle Chanson. Which is the all ladies choir, basically. And I want to take a moment to talk about Belle Chanson. Belle Chanson. Because I was thinking about Belle Chanson. <laughs> Because Belle Chanson was just a mix of upcoming and broken dreams. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, I hate it. But, like, I look at, I look at the, the girls that were in there. Like, super dedicated, hardworking, took the voice lessons, put in the time. Oh, yeah. To be put in Belle Chanson for, like, three years. Yep. Um, and never make it up to park. Uh, because it was, Belle Chanson was where, like, the, the 10th grade or 11th grade girls who were the up-and-coming stars. It was their step before going to Park Singers. So that was a big deal. But then there were those like that junior senior group who like kind of knew they weren't going or senior year was their last chance to make it. And they didn't. Well, and a big part of that, too, is like they might have had just as much talent as the kids who made it to the chosen yeah. group, but they didn't get the special attention from Mr. Johnson. So yeah. they weren't able to make it up to the next tier. And that might be part because of their wallets um, were not fat enough to get them up to that <laughs> tier. So I'm just saying that's all it's all connected. <laughs> I don't want to say it's. I do not want to say it's all that. It's not all that. Um, I completely don't say it's all that because a lot of the kids who were, you know, in that upper tier were because they were very talented, but it also means they could afford the private lessons. They could afford the extra stuff to, to go they into the that. resources behind them to do those things. Exactly. True. That's right. So it's all wrong. kind of mixes together. Um, but Bill Shaw's song, yes. Yeah, Bill Shaw's song. It was just, broken dreams. It was, it's just really hardworking girls who, who really wanted to make it to park and didn't. It just always hurt because then there were always these younger Girls or girls who like almost did an audition or kind of came out of nowhere. Or kids or who too shy to audition for solos to get that extra attention. You know, that's true. My sister was one of that group. She um, was in chorus the whole time before me. She's two years older. And yeah, her and I were in concert choir for two years together. And yeah. she's a marvelous singer, but she just she was never good at doing auditions. She has, she's too shy to do it. So later on in life, she had she was dating this music producer and he had her do some so, like some solo songs and he produced them for her. And she sounds fantastic. And I'm like, she's a much better singer than I ever was. But she just <laughs> she would never want to get on stage and do what I did because she was didn't have that kind of nerves um, to right. do that. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those kids would end up in Belle Chanson and just kind of stay there. But it reminds me of when I was in band, they had the uh, what do you call the the flag bearer girls? What are they called? Oh, the uh, flag corps. Yeah. That, 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 what are they called? <laughs> we always called them kind of like the girls who didn't quite make it onto the cheerleading team, but uh. which isn't fair. But I mean, probably <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of similar kind of feel. 
Anyways, <laughs> I mean, after Belle Chanson was concert choir, <laughs> yes, which was everybody from the top two all in a big room. And then probably like another 20 randos would be in there with you. <laughs> so it's still the core group plus 20 randos. And then under right under that was women's choir. And then right under that was men's choir. And then way at the bottom was ninth grade girls choir. Way, way at the bottom. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, because honestly, uh, and I'll say this pretty confidently, it was easy to be a boy in choir. Oh, there's not many of them. Yeah. Like we did sing with some truly gifted singers. I can think of a few male singers we sang with that were just amazing. But most of that, like I'm above average, but I'm not, was never spectacular. Yeah. Same here. But we, I, I would say the, the percentage of spectacular girl singers to spectacular guy singers was very heavy. <laughs> well, that's the cool thing that happens occasionally too. And it was not just in the movies, but in our chorus, it happened. We had a, a guy named, um, we'll call him um, Sandy. Even though he's a guy, his name, we'll call him Sandy. But Sandy. He, he was on the football team and he was a marvelous singer, much better than Steven or myself. Um, but you don't normally get that because not many guys audition for chorus. So if you had just as many guys come out and audition for chorus as girls did, you'd probably find just as many fantastic singers. But this guy just took a chance um, and he started singing in choir and he was really good. Got lots of solos. Um, but it just doesn't happen very often because guys are like, you should go play sports or something like that. So <laughs> I'm glad we stuck with it. So, Jordan, let's talk about like songs and performances. Yeah. We spent so much time rehearsing. Just incredible amounts of time rehearsing. <laughs> it's true. Um, but they led to some kind of crazy performances. Like I look at the scale of Night on Broadway, our big Broadway review, and that was just daunting. Like 150, 160 kids all coordinated. Holy shit. Usually they'd hire in some kind of um, choreographer person to help us yes. do choreography individually. Like, cause it wouldn't be all run by one teacher. It'd be, you know, the orchestra person would be there with the orchestra. There'd be live music and, you know, costumes and ridiculous. And then we not only had a chorus director, we had an assistant chorus director. On top of that, so there was another person running around, plus booster presidents and vice presidents and parents and people building sets. And yeah, man, it was incredible. And then the parents always, the, the booster parents always had a number every year, basically, as like a massage. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, I forgot about that. So they were always around. If you pay money, you get to relive your high school years and that's sing on right. stage. That's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was uh, it's just insane. Some of the things we got to do and see and be a part of. Yeah, it's just like it, it, the matter of you learn a lot about rehearsing and, and backstage and um, discipline and hard work. And then you can forget all of it once you get to college. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so I've got a couple specific stories. Sure. Uh, and this first one doesn't doesn't involve you, and I'm sorry. That's totally fine. So I was in choir for all this time and had always managed to avoid being in church choir. Because mm. I went to church up until junior year, basically. Um, and had always avoided it. I'd always gotten out of it. Because rehearsal times were always terrible, and you always had to get there extra early, and you were already getting there early. I said, no, nah, I'm not doing it. So... <laughs> We went with winter, with the high school and performed at my church in downtown Orlando at some point for some concert. Mm -hmm. And I remember the director of the church choir saw me and knew I existed. Oh, no. And he like went and talked to my parents. Oh, that's underhanded. And suddenly I was in <laughs> church choir. Damn it. 
So what had happened was there was this guy he had the year before who was amazing, like voice of God amazing. But he graduated, went to college. So now his men's section was really bad. Uh, <laughs> so I came in as like the only guy with vocal training and real confidence and that kind of stuff. and really carried the choir for that year. And I got really sick of it mm-hmm. because even though I was like the one really good proficient male singer, he would always pick these pieces that were way too high for me. Oh, gotcha. He would like pick the, he would pick pieces with the other guy's range in mind. Wishing that you could do it too. (laughs) Right. And so at one point we were doing a version of a song that we did in chorus. I think you might've done it. Bashana Abba, like a Hebrew song. I remember you singing it a bunch and making fun of it. (laughs) Yes, probably. Yes. Um, And the version we sang in our choir had like a low, really low rumbly bass note at the end that I love singing. But the version we did in in choir for church was like the essay, like the three part version. Mm. So it was the baritone note. And I remember I wanted to sing it and he went, no, you can't do it. I need you to sing with the other boys. I went, all right, fine. And then we got to performance day, which is like the second, like the the last performance of the season. We get to the end and I just belt this low note (laughs) as low as I can and drown out all the other guys. I was so done. Act and then of defiance. Remember, and then next year, he, are you coming back? I was like, nope, I'm already straining my voice enough with, you know, 10 or 15 hours of singing a week. I can't do it. And, and this story does directly affect me because I specifically remember now that you bring it up, how much I disliked you being in church choir because it took away from the small amount of time we had to do other things like play video games or go to the movies right. or. And so I was like, this is our time away from choir. And now you're going to some other choir that I'm not part of. I don't want to go to church. Like, so <laughs> I remember we, I did try to drag. You did come to youth group a handful of times. That vaguely sounds familiar. More of a social experiment than anything. Oh, my God. That's me. Another sappy crap episode. Just church. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, this, this next one, I think you're in. Okay. This would have been the junior year trip to New York. Mm. So we had a pretty good group for that trip, as I remember it. We had a pretty good group of guys. We didn't have any weirdos or duds, really. <laughs> so every now and then you get saddled with that one kid. who was like, ah, you didn't go anywhere else. All right. Um, and we were down in the subway. And our buddy Patrick, I will use his real name because he's been on the show and people know who he is, um, was young and dumb. I think ninth grade at the time. Uh, and a homeless guy came up, a New York homeless guy came up talking about like his dead son and asking for money. And Patrick in his infinite, like 13 or 14 year old wisdom said something really snarky, like move it along or not today, buddy. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and that's not the thing you say to a New York homeless person. Maybe in Florida, but not in New York. He got up in Patrick's face he got loud he pulled out uh like a brochure thing from a funeral he's like i buried my son if you ever buried your son it got out of his face and i remember like physically kind of getting between them and apologizing to the man profusely and patrick dwindling like a flower just <laughs> just falling like just i remember he just kind of backed like he didn't know what to do he was in complete in shock. shock yeah um and I remember if he finally left and finally calmed down i turned around and I forgot to give him a name. So we'll call him Greg. I turn around and Greg's like, oh my God, that was close. I, was, I was, thought I was going to have to take some action. I was like, what are you talking about? And he pulls a Swiss army knife from his pocket that he has pulled the blade out. On. Mm-hmm. 
I went, why the hell do you have a Swiss Army knife? He's like, I brought it through security. And I went, how the hell did you get that through security? <laughs> this was like 2002. Right after 9-11. <laughs> right after 9-11. I was like, how did you do that? He's like, I don't know. But I was ready to knife the guy. I was like, God damn you. <laughs> freaking Florida people. Greg was a character. <laughs> yeah. I remember that because that was the trip we went on where we had to stand solemnly in front of the, the wreckage of 9-11 and take a picture. And it's like, oh, I don't think I did that. Some people did. They're like, we're not, we can't smile, right? That's weird. It's like, no, you don't smile. Just take a picture in front of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> very awkward. Man. So uh, uh, that's a good story. Specific that. stories? Yeah, something it's kind of specific, but also general at the same time. Yeah. Um, there's something you get from being a part of either a large marching band or a giant choir that I got mm. uh, both times I had this experience. And I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in a higher power necessarily. It could exist, but I don't have any evidence for that. But I know what people are feeling, I think, when they go to a church and have this overwhelming feeling of a presence outside of themselves. Because I had it first when I was in marching band, part of this giant 200-person marching band going into a game, blasting out on the planets, I think is the song. Um, and it was amazing. And you just get this overwhelming hairs in the back of your neck stand up. And the same thing can happen when you're doing part of a giant choir that's singing really well and very powerfully. Um and when that happened, the biggest time I think that I can remember was when we were singing at a competition, I think, for districts or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's called Von Williams Serenade to Music. Oh, uh, yeah. And that was a crazy piece. It was all over the place, but it was really powerful. And we had our star singer, which we'll call John Balkins. He was the uh, most incredible still singer I've heard in person before <laughs> as a man, tenor. And he was just incredible. Um, and he knew it, too. He's very he had and a lot of ego. Tone, he could do whatever the hell he, he wanted. Could do, he could sing on the bass notes, too. Um, but he has this one part where he sings this. If you, go listen to that song if you can. Von Williams, Serenade to Music. You'll hear this part where a tenor breaks out and has like a two-line two solo. And it goes really, really, really high. And then the whole choir just comes in after that and swells upward. And I just like, I'll never forget that moment. I downloaded the song immediately afterward and like mm. listened to it periodically throughout the years. And it just like stuck with me. And so that's something that you can only get from being part of this, a giant group all doing the same thing at one time, which is dangerous. That's how they, you know, get mob mentalities and armies to go against people and pitchforks and stuff. So, but it's, it's pretty amazing. So yeah, that's the biggest thing I think I'll take back from, from choir, not the solos, not uh, any kind of ego based thing, but losing ego was kind of the part of it. That was crazy. Anyways, there you go. Private moment. (laughs) Well, speaking of solos, um, so I just recently went through a bunch of my old discs and stuff from high school and started digitizing and found Night on Broadway from 2004. Oh, yeah. And so because I watched them like really back to back because I edited and did some color correction stuff, um, I realized I'm like, I could make the, the you know, two huge nights of musical numbers and I could count the number of soloists on like two hands in a 150 person choir. Mm. It was like the same 12 people over and over again in different combinations. Oh yeah. Every now and then a rando would get in. Well, you get the every, people who get like the one line solo and then everyone else, the same people yeah, get and, the and same every solos now and every then time. You'll get to see like that girl from Belshan son, the senior from Belshan son who got that big number, but the one girl who got out. Well, that's what we'll talk but, about in another episode about yeah. prioritizing. Do I want this show to be amazing and sound the best it can possibly sound for the audience of parents? Or do I want people to get a shot at having a solo for the first time in their life or having an experience of having a solo and doing the very best they can and really living their high school life as opposed to you having a great show, which doesn't really matter in high school that much. 
Um, especially we're not in a competition. It's, it's, it's for the parents. It's not putting on a Broadway musical. So, I mean, that's, uh, it pisses me off and I totally agree. And I'm glad you could see that while watching those. It, it really wasn't until I watched them back to back and I was like, oh my God. But, but I was like, wait, didn't, didn't Nancy do this solo last night? I'm like, oh no, she had the solo after this solo. <laughs> the previous on the night. other night. <laughs> and then she had the closing solo on the first night, which is now being done by the girl who did the other solo the other night. So Betty gets it every other night and then Betty gets right, the other right. solo and then it, Nancy gets it this night and all the other solos. It, it, it would, yeah. It becomes a little bit transparent almost. And so instead um, of a bunch of kids getting a little bit of confidence, you get one kid getting a lot of confidence and a yeah. huge ego. And that's kind of how it rolled the whole time we were there, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I'm sure we'll get more into that. We are going to do a second episode that is all about uh, Mr. Johnson, who was a character and, a half. and shaped this entire experience we just talked about. Yeah, it'll be this interesting. The whole thing we just talked about was shaped by this very interesting gentleman. Before the next episode of Savvy Crap, guys, everyone out there listen to or watch the movie Whiplash, and then we'll get back to a, <laughs> we'll get back to that episode. What's our weekly question for this week, Steve? Um, yeah, weekly question is, uh, where's the fav- your favorite place that we got to perform? Um, it's kind of fun. I have a couple. Um, I, I've written Carnegie Hall, but obviously we didn't perform at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> I was just there. But my other one was um, I enjoyed going to school events. Uh, we went to pep rallies like out in the middle okay. of the Winter Park Square and did some stuff as park singers. And it was kind of fun, even though the kids that are our age didn't really care that much. Um, a lot of the parents enjoyed it. And then as a barbershop quartet, we would perform. It was not really an official group. But Steve and I were a barbershop quartet as part of chorus. And we would go out and perform before shows like out in the lobby. And and that was just really cool and fun and felt really old fashioned. And a lot of the older adults really liked it and the grandparents yeah. and stuff. So it was, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you just used to spend even more time together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we didn't have enough. Uh, you saying the pepper things uh, actually brings up. Uh, so I'll say, tell me my favorite, and then brings up a final story that I had somewhere. Sure. Um, so favorite place, I really Gaylord Palms was always good because they we always had like a green room and there were bottled waters and like st- there was stuff. Fancy. So it was like fancy. It was amenities for high schoolers. We're like, oh man. <laughs> we're celebrities <laughs> um so that was like the most comfortable probably i don't know if that's the most fun but it was the most comfortable mm-hmm. um carnegie hall was cool um just to say it yeah <laughs> you know more than anything just to say it um school events i really didn't relish because that was where we got our most crap from other students <laughs> yeah because we were because i remember for these stu- events they would always put us in something ridiculous the outfits were pretty crappy. Senior year, it was like this neon orange tie-dyed monstrosity that we all had to wear. I have that picture on my wall, actually, in my house yeah. right now. Me, That's you, like and in Patrick. Our yearbook. <laughs> you and me in that terrible thing. I love it. <laughs> uh, that brings me to my last story, which actually happened, I think, senior year after a pep rally of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been in the spring because this was in Night on Broadway time frame. Maybe homecoming. Maybe homecoming or um, maybe basketball, home, whatever the hell the, the late equivalent of that was. Sports. For sport. Yeah, whatever the hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like maybe it was downtown Winter Park Appreciation Day or an anniversary or you know, who knows. Went downtown Winter Park always had something going on. Um, and we went and performed and our buddy Kenny gave you, me, and Patrick a ride. Mm-hmm. And Kenny and I always really butted heads. 
It's true. And I like we really, really did. Two strong personalities. Um, just two strong personalities. Um, and it, the closest I ever came to being in a real fight was with Kenny. To this day, <laughs> the closest I ever came was with Kenny. Um, and I remember, like you and Patrick said, thank you, and I didn't like immediately say it. And he went from like zero to say thank you or get out of my car. Thank you for and the ride. I, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember getting into this principled stance of like, I'm like, I would have said thank you, but you're being a real jerk. <laughs> you're being so a dick about it. I'm not going to be. So mind you, in this situation, I fully admit that there was equal levels of jerkitude going on. <laughs> Looking but back. In my mind, this is how I was like, no, you're being an asshole. I'm not going to thank you. So he's like, you're going to my car. I was like, fine, do it. And he's like, I will. So then I could see it happening. I knew this was going to happen. It's so like 30 seconds later. He's like, hey, we should stop at that 7-Eleven for Slurpees. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just all get out of the car and go to 7-Eleven for Slurpees. So we hop out and go, and he won't let me back in the car. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> he's like, say thank you. I'm like, I'm not doing You're being a dick. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to say something to you that now means nothing. I can tell you right now, even if I say it, it means nothing. <laughs> um, he's like, you're going to walk. And I went, fine, I'll walk. And I started walking. I wasn't going to fight and argue or play a game with him. I was like, okay, you set your stipulations. I don't say thank you. I can't ride in your car. Fine. <laughs> I started walking. I remember Patrick came with me. Oh, because he's such a sweetheart. I <laughs> was like, do you want to walk with you? And I went, nah, go with him. He's like, no, I'll come with you. And we walked like probably two miles or a mile and a half at least from downtown Winter Park. And then we had to go back to the school because we had night on Broadway rehearsal. Oh, my God. I remember we had morning rehearsal and then we had to break in the middle of the day to go do this thing. And then we had to come back and do another like four hours. Um, and I remember I wasn't vengeful. And I remember the whole time I had come up with an excuse that basically I wasn't throwing Kenny under the bus. Right. Like that wasn't because when I got there, I got bowled out by Johnson. I remember because mm, sure. I had a solo and whatever the hell. And I missed <laughs> the rehearsal for it. I got bowled out. And he's what happened? And I was like, ah, my parents were there and they thought I was going to go with Kenny and Kenny thought that me and Patrick were going with him. It's my fault. We ended up walking. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody was in trouble. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to be that vengeful dick. <laughs> and I will say now that, like, Kenny is, is his, such a well-adjusted guy now. Uh, he's really, he's got a family and he's, he's listens to the show. So if you're listening to this one, Kenny, you know who you yeah, are. Yeah, uh, we know who you are, too. And but mind you, like for every time like that, like you and I, like we went to your house to do the gallon challenge on our last day of senior year. Oh, yeah. We're good buds. Yeah, we, we were a lot of Halo together. You and I went to like a concert at Hard Rock Live at one point, Kenny. <laughs> oh, you went and to like did yeah. mosh pits together or something. <laughs> I remember it. But buddies fight, John, you know, John Balkin was there. I remember. <laughs> it's funny they bring up John Balkin. Um seeing junior year before you were in park singers uh him and i i ended up spending a ton of time with him and his crew he's the, the voice of god guy audience the voice of god guy uh john balkin <laughs> <laughs> who had a but collection him, of swords and uh, a fancy sports car so yeah um in fact my first memory okay here we go i didn't know i was gonna tell this one until right now my first memory of john Bal john balkins it's like i'm a scared ninth grade boy it's my first day going to concert choir because I didn't get invited at first. I got a late invite after somebody dropped out. So I missed the concert choir retreat. Nobody knew me. I was like that weird ninth grade boy. Why the hell is he here? And I went to the urinal and John Balkin comes up beside me. He's like, hey, what's up? You knew? 
like, yeah, the ninth grade. He's like, oh man. And he starts telling me about this sweet katana he got. Yes. And while he is peeing, he takes both hands off <laughs> and is like miming a katana move. Oh God. While you're, and I'm just this scared ninth grade boy. He was very intense. He was very intense. <laughs> Great guy. Love Sean Balkin. <laughs> The same that's that same kid, John Balkin, though, he uh, he was boasting about his car all the time as well. And then we had a horrible hurricane, Hurricane Charlie in 2004, and a tree landed square in the middle of his car and destroyed uh, it. I remember he loved that car. Oh, yeah. And I, I would be remiss, though, because you reminded me of being that scared ninth grade boy coming into concert choir. That's where we met friend of the show, Patrick. He came in to sing concert choir. No one knew who he yeah. was. And we waved him over to the bass section, even though he wasn't really a bass. And we just took him under our wing. And then he became my buddy for life. We're still friends. We talk every week. And it's been ever since then that he joined concert choir. That's how it happened, man. Yeah. Ah, oh, patty cakes. It's in the room where it happened. So I, I guess that wraps up this episode of the Sappy Crap Podcast, doesn't it, Steve? It certainly does. Join us again next time for the second part of this two-parter where we are going to talk about uh, the man who made all of these things possible, Mr. Johnson, good, bad, and everything in between. <laughs> and so thanks for joining us in this delightful stumble down memory lane. And remember, the good days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs> <laughs>